There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping leaders to cultivate meaning and purpose in the workplace to elicit passion, inspired contribution, innovation, and persevering performance. So I seek out and bring on guests to a particular perspective, experience, or expertise that I think contributes to or expands this conversation. And as a management consultant and social scientist, I draw on the meaning and work and identity research I've been doing over the last 15 years, as well as from my consulting, speaking, and experience developing workforces across the globe. In these weekly conversations, it is my intention that you derive value you can immediately apply to your personal and work lives, and it is my fervent hope that you come alive with the possibility of living with passion, working on purpose, and just how big and fulfilling your life and work can be. And if you do catch fire, I do not want to leave you without a support line. Your call to action then is to contact me via email at elise at elisecortez.com. Tell me whether you just want to join the distribution list to stay informed of these radio show topics, if you want to see about joining a Catch Fire online inspiration accountability or mastermind community or you want information on my purpose-driven leadership programs for individuals or companies you can also find me on facebook linkedin or send me a tweet to elise cortez on twitter back to the content if you missed last week's program you can always catch it via recorded podcast we were on the air with phil sotok he's the founder of dpmc north america a management consultancy specializing in mission-driven management and virtuous leadership we talked about why purpose is such an important driver in today's business world how he sees that working from purpose gives a critical element of integrity to people's lives and his learned perspective on how companies can manage by mission and virtuous leadership totally inspiring conversation With us this week, we have a very, very special guest, and it's just ahead of my favorite holiday ever, Thanksgiving. We have with us Elizabeth Fournier. She's the owner and operator of Cornerstone Funeral Services, where she's affectionately known as the Green Reaper for her green burial advocacy. She serves on the advisory board for the Green Burial Council, the environmental certification organization setting the standard for green burial in North America. She's also the author of the Green Burial Guidebook, Everything You Need to plan an affordable, environmentally friendly burial. We'll be talking about the inevitable event of death, how it can stoke a tremendous sense of purpose across our lives, how it was that she began doing the work she's doing as an undertaker and what it means to her, and the role and importance of gratitude and how showing up in life it gives us a well-lived experience. She joins us today from Boring, Oregon. It's a small town just outside of Portland, Oregon. Elizabeth, welcome to Working on Purpose, you zesty one. Oh, yes, I'm thrilled to be here, and I love how Thanksgiving is your favorite. You know, my favorite holiday is my birthday. Gosh, what does that say about me? <laughs> well, how great is that to hear from from someone who works in the field that you do? And I just can't wait to hear more about this. I have been telling everybody who will listen to me that you're coming on my show today. So I'm really excited about our conversation. But I will admit to you, Elizabeth, that when the idea of you having a, you coming on my show first came across my radar, At first, I dismissed it. I thought, you know, this show is about passion, purpose, 
and it seems to me like, you know, this other side of, of life, this thing called death isn't really part of the bargain. But then I really got it. I really got the, that the idea that since we do have a time step on our lives, that is really what helps contribute to purpose for a lot of us. It gives us an urgency. So it's precisely because we don't know when we're going to be leaving that I think we that we really need to be able to focus on living with passion and working on purpose. Your thoughts? Well, I think the truth is, as an undertaker, I assist the living far more than the dead. Over the years, I've really learned that death is here to teach us not just about loss, but about letting go, but most importantly, and really and truly about living. And perhaps one of the most important facts about living is understanding that one day, each one of us will die. So I'm a mortician. I work with the dead, but really, the reality is, it's really all about life and those left behind. Mm. Wow, well, we have a lot to dig into here, and I could pick that brain of yours and that soul and mind of yours for quite some time, but um, one of the things that you talked about when we first did our conversation on the phone to talk about what we wanted to share in this segment here, or this, this episode, is you talked about how people can live more energetically and creatively. You've got to stand on that. What, what is it that you stand for on those two topics? There's so much to unpack, so much to say. I would say, first off, every morning, we really open two gifts. Do you have an idea what those two gifts are? Uh, the first thing would be the eyeballs. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, that's oh, it. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, that's good. Exactly. <laughs> okay, the eyeballs. The first two gifts we open are our eyes. And we know what that tells us. Life is miraculous. Many of us take that for granted. And the moment we arise in the morning, not only is it a brand new day with all the full potential, but that majesty of being able to see what's going on in the world is amazing. What I tell people a lot of times to help them live more energetically and more creatively is when you wake up in the morning, pretend like you are on your deathbed. And it doesn't have to be depressing. It could be that sort of live like you were dying attitude, that thought of, okay, so if this was my last day, how would I shape this? How would I look? What would happen? Should I be considering making smart choices? Should I be forgiving people? Should I be picking up that instrument that's rusting in the corner? I mean, a lot of that really matters. And that perspective is so rich and so full and buoyant. And so many of us just wake up and sort of put one foot on the floor and pull up the trousers and, you know, shuffle off to get the coffee and are begrudging about the fact it's Monday. But, you know, when you complain about Monday, be excited because Tuesday might be the day that you die. Wow, this is so compelling. I love this. Okay, so one of the things that you you alluded to there is, which is something that I'm really, really, I take a a big stand for in the work that I do is I, I really notice all the time, Elizabeth, that people are literally walking through life either completely asleep or frankly in a semi state of, of death. Uh, and they just don't know it. They're just, you know, they're just, there's the lights are on, but nobody's home. And we, we, I know from the research that I do that the, the Gallup organization says that only 15, 1-5% of the global workforce is fully committed and engaged and enthusiastic about their work. So the other 85% are just kind of going through the motions and mailing it in, as we like to say. So I love what you're saying, that really just getting present to the awe of every day, what a difference that would make for us. Yeah, life is more than just drinking your cup of coffee, paying bills, and just sort of waiting around until the end comes, right? There's so much more in those moments and in those minutes and in those hours, the precious connections, all these things. Really, I think like what you're saying, Elise, is live out loud. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. Live out loud. Now, you mentioned something about the creativity piece, and I I can certainly see that even just, and I say this in the, the work that I do and in my programs, you know, being, allowing yourself to be inspired by what you see in life can make you be inspired. And I also say that it contributes to your own creativity. What else do you think we, we can do to stoke our creativity? How about know thyself? I think that sounds so simple, to thine be true. I think that's really, really an amazing thing because ultimately, if you can see yourself and you know yourself through and through, you know your self-discovery, you can move forward, and you can do these things. I think that there are really, to a certain degree, there's plenty of adults who really don't know who they are, and they get to that point of they watch Oprah and have that aha moment. And, you know, you don't need that woman on TV telling you to have that aha moment. Again, when you wake up in the morning, you open your eyes, that should be your aha moment. Wow. Um, you know, that's really a great point, Elizabeth. And I'll tell you, I've spent, I've done a lot of work on myself. And of course, it'll be ongoing for the rest of the days that I have on the planet to continue that investigation. But uh, this last six months for me it has been a wealth of, of creativity. I've created my, my, my purpose-driven leadership programs. I've written half of my book. Um, and I've actually readdressed the whole way that I address crowds and speak in just in the last six months. And I do think you're right. Part of that came from some of the really heavy duty lifting I've been doing to understand who I am and what I'm up to in this life. Well, let me share something else with you. As an undertaker, I think the concept of a bucket list isn't a very good concept. I think the movie was great. I love Morgan Freeman. I love the idea and the purpose of the movie. But what I find is having this magical list of before I die, I want to see Paris. And before I die, I really need to ask this person for forgiveness. You know what? Your life is now, 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 now. It really doesn't matter if you get to Paris. It's really in this moment. How full are you? How blossoming are you? And like you're saying, you're a never-ending work of art. You're a never-ending project, and you've got to put in the time, but our life is right now. It's not when you lose weight. It's not when you get into that relationship you want. It's not when you can finally pay your mortgage. It's right this minute. I love that. In fact, when I was thinking about how to describe this particular episode, one of the things I said in the description is that our enemy is complacency. We always have this idea that we've got our whole lives in front of us. I'll get to that. And I really appreciate what you're saying. We, we don't know if we're going to get to that. So let's just get to it now. And if, if we don't get to whatever <laughs> it is on the list, that's okay. We're here now. Be here now. There's no pain in the present moment. Um, staying in the present moment, it is so much harder to do. Have you ever been having a conversation with a friend and your mind is drifting off to something else or you're going down the street and rather than looking at the beautiful flora and fauna and really seeing every street sign, you're just sort of on autopilot. You're just kind of going through the motions of getting to point A to point B. Boo, hiss, boo. Live your life. Live out loud. Your moment is right now. Mm, love that. Well, on the other side of that, uh, one of the tasks that I have people do in my purpose-driven leadership programs, and we talked about this when we were on the phone, is I ask them to write their own obituary. And I'll say more about why I do this. But first, uh, you mentioned it. So will you comment on the idea of people writing their own obituary and why why, why why or why not you think it's a good idea? 
I think it's fantastic. And something that I found when I was younger is I'm a writer. I've written a couple books and I like to write articles and things. And a couple friends said to me, can you write a personal ad for me? And while <laughs> I was writing ads, I was putting together kind of their best foot forward details. It was really their time to shine. And as I wrote this, I was thinking, wow, you know, if you die tomorrow, I just wrote your obituary. So it's sort of interesting <laughs> how it really is the same thing. It's you taking that time and figuring out what have you done in your life that you're proud of? Um, what do you stand for and what will people remember you? I think as Americans, especially, we love the idea of having a legacy. That's why we are the only people in society that will buy a grave space and have a headstone. And that grave space will always for perpetuity, even after we are no longer alive for decades, still belong to us. We don't reuse grave spaces because we love the concept of having memorialization and legacy. And writing your own obituary is called auto-obituary. Did you know there's an actual name for this? Because a lot of scholastic people have their people do this. So I have so much to say about this and would love to go on and on, but um, and still can go on and on. But I definitely wanted to answer your question with a simple yes. I think it's a fantastic idea. Well, you've you've certainly reinforced why it is I do that in the program. I I, I can say that oftentimes what, what what happens is when participants write their obituary, there's a stark contrast between be, where they are today and what that looks like. Meaning that they've got a lot that they still want to do in life. They want to contribute. They want to matter, and that chasm can be really motivating for people. And so that's a big reason that I have people do it in in, in the workshops and for them to really step out of themselves. The idea when you're there's something about stepping out of today and actually when you're you know you're dead that gives you permission to really really create it seems to me and in a way that we don't limit ourselves as much as we might if we didn't consider that we're doing this from the grave the grave site yeah I love that I love that idea of who do you see yourself as what do you want to be and then the goals that you've accomplished or want to accomplish but then I think there's a deeper layer to this and that's really taking a look at if I died today would I die happy Mm-hmm. And am I satisfied with the direction of my life? Um, what's my legacy I'm creating? What's missing from my life? And ultimately, do what do I need to do in order for my obituary to be quote unquote complete? For me to feel like I've written the story of my life, I can tuck it away in the drawer and that goofy bucket list isn't hanging over my head. I've done what I need to do to feel complete on earth. Wow, that's kind of neat. We can always be an ever unfolding an organic package that sort of does what it needs to do and ebbs and flows in the strength of the universe, but nonetheless, to sort of feel like you've completed what you really have maybe intended to do, that's pretty powerful. It sure is. In fact, I'll just say quickly, I remember when I went to an identity research conference some t- some couple wow. years ago. Yes, I love I loved investigating <laughs> identity. Um, anyway, the, the, the gentleman who'd been at it for like 50 years, he, he talked about how fulfilling his life had been and how, you know, if he did fall off the face of the earth the next day or in the next hour, he'd be he'd be just great with that because he he's done what he's what he wanted to do. And and that sense of peace that came with that was just so palpable. I like that, but maybe that's not who you want to sit next to on a plane because maybe, you know, his ticket's <laughs> going to be called. <laughs> He's done. Yeah, I did distance myself just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you, you you go over that side of the room and I'll be right over here. <laughs> um, 
Okay, well, let's grab our first break, and um, I'll, I, 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 there's so much more I want to ask you, but we'll grab our first break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We're on the air with Elizabeth Fournier. She's the owner and operator of Cornerstone Funeral Services. She is the author of The Green Burial Guidebook, Everything You Need to Plan an Affordable, Environmentally Friendly Burial. She joins us today from Boring, Oregon. We've been talking a bit about how it is that death can actually give us urgency with which to live our lives with purpose and fulfillment. After the break, we're going to talk a bit about her actual work, what she's learned from her work and how she got in it, what she actually does in her, in, her, in her day-to-day. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now... Back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Elizabeth Fournier, the owner and operator of Cornerstone Funeral Services in Boring, Oregon, where she is affectionately known as the Green Reaper for her green burial advocacy. She serves on the advisory board of the Green Burial Council, the environmental certification organization setting the standard for green burial in North America. She's also the author of The Green Burial Guidebook, Everything You Need to Plan an Affordable, Environmentally Friendly Burial. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So we were talking before the break, Elizabeth, about really just how death can really be a, a friend for us and, and, and help guide our, our lives in a meaningful way. Uh, and you've been in this space for a while, and I know you could probably talk a lot about this, but just what are some of the, the major things that you've learned about life through the work that you do? Well, I've learned that I don't have the ability to take away someone's pain. I always wished, after being nearly 30 years in the death care industry, that I would know magical phrases or I would know these really fantastic things that I could say to somebody. And they could look at me and say, oh, okay, and their pain would dissolve. And I found that um, it's, you know, there's a ship in the ocean and we all get a turn at the helm. And before you know it, it's going to be your turn at the wheel because ultimately we all get a turn of going through loss and grief and somebody in our life dying. And we just have to really be just gentle with each other. Mm. You know, that's such an interesting point. Uh, what, just very quickly, I, I can say that I haven't had a lot of experience with people dying. And not no, just be, beyond my grandparents, nobody around me per se. But I have been around other friends who've lost people. And what I found is it, that they want to talk about it. And it seems like we tend to avoid talking about death. We, we get upset or nervous or uncomfortable. And with my experience so far has been that people enjoy being able to talk about the person who's passed. Do you have a perspective on that? Yeah, I do. And make sure you use that person's name 
That's especially important for people who have lost spouses or long-term partners, especially with parents who've lost children. Um, people will just say your loss or something, or maybe they'll say your daughter, but you really need to say Julie, or you really need, you don't, because people don't want that person to disappear. And mm-hmm. they're afraid if you don't bring their name up and talk about Eddie or Frankie, or just kind of say your kid that died, or just, you know, it, they just go away and fade away out of sight, because ultimately there is sort of a black mark left where they used to be. Mm. So helpful. That's so helpful for our listeners, I think. So I I think it would be terribly interesting for all of us to learn just how it was that you decided to become an undertaker. I mean, that seems to me it's a job that certainly is needed in the world, but it's probably not one that immediately registers as a possibility for a lot of people. So what's the story? How did you enter the field 30 years ago, no less? Yeah, um, my career, it's a calling far greater than me. I would say Mm. it's predestined, perhaps. It's probably written in the stars. And that's really because as a child, loss had defined my world. Um, Over a brief span of three years in the home that we shared, one family member after the next, they died. Uh, When I was six, my paternal grandmother had passed and an eight, my mother, and just about six months after my mom, my paternal grandfather. So by the time I was nine, I mean, I'd been to so many funerals, I'd become something of an accidental expert, um, <laughs> let alone I was left with a father who was a young man of 40 who just lost both parents and his wife within three years. I'm a 50-year-old woman who couldn't even fathom raising two small children without, um, you know, and losing parents. And it's amazing to think about. So ultimately, my story gets a little bit kooky in the sense that my father remarried right away. But I needed to grieve. I needed to expand. I needed to figure out what I felt. So... I started attending funerals of people I didn't know just at my little local Catholic church. Um, When I could drive, I began perusing the obituaries and circling the most interesting ones I could find. And um, I'd be on my way on Saturdays. You could find me sitting quietly alone in the very last pew. And I was reverent. I wasn't there to make a mockery of it. I was really trying to work my way through grief and figure it out. Um, And... Basically, what had happened is I finally realized that my healing was kind of coming to me because I found, you know, attending a stranger's funeral comforting at first. But the more I began to attend, the more I noticed I felt sort of less connected to the ritual because they all seemed sort of the same. We had sort of the same music, um, the same words. We sort of dressed the deceased in the same sort of casket. We're kind of going about the same way. It seemed very highly impersonal after a while, but still... I knew that this was something I wanted to be a part of and be a part of somehow. So really, toward the end of my funeral crashing days, I really worked up enough courage (laughs) to tell my father that, uh, Dad, I I think my life purpose is probably to be a mortician. Of course, I didn't say mature words like that at, you know, age 13. But (laughs) that's kind of where we went with it. So ultimately, I knew I wanted to be an undertaker. He sort of discouraged that. I went on and got my four-year degree. I lived in a cemetery when I was in college. And I never shook the concept of this is what I need to do. This is who I am. And I want to go on and figure out how to make this work for other people. Oh, my gosh, Elizabeth, that was so worth the price of admission right there. Just that one conversation. That is so awesome. I'm so sorry about all your losses, of course, but wow, wow. 
Uh, that is very powerful, very compelling, and I and I so appreciate that you know that you consider this is your calling. This that's that's incredibly powerful. You bet. Yeah, and 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 then now we take it. One of the things that I really love that you're up to. I love the fact one that you were a, a funeral crasher. That just cracks me up. <laughs> um, but but the fact that they call you the Green Reaper. I love that because you focus on green burial. I'm very proud to come from Oregon, Elizabeth. I, I spent most of my life in Oregon. I'm very proud of my of my my cultural heritage. Um, and one of the things that I really loved is, you know, the environmental focus that the state tends to focus on. Um, by the way, just quickly, do you know Susan Sokol Blosser? The, oh, the, sure. The winery she, gal. Yeah, yeah. She was on my radio show and I mm-hmm. I did go see her there in, in Portland when I came through a couple of years ago. So anyway, so nice. the Green Reaper um, mm-hmm. first and Green Burial. I had never heard of this until you came on my show. So what does that mean, Green Burial? And how is that different from a regular burial? Yeah, sure. So to basically break down what green burial means is it's a set of body preparations and funeral and burial practices that really allow a body to naturally go from being its full self as we know it into um, something biodegradable and something that nurtures the earth. Um, If that sounds a little shrouded, um, ultimately it's really what we did as a traditional burial for human history up till about the 20th century. It's a matter of the body not being embalmed, not having toxic chemicals, letting it be in its natural state. Um, From there, we're putting the body into a shroud or a natural casket or something made out of banana leaves or bamboo, wicker, placing that into the earth and allowing it to go back to nature. So it's that full cycle of life without letting any formaldehyde or concrete or steel or anything get in the way of the whole natural process. Elizabeth, that is stunningly beautiful. I, I had no idea. I, I, this is not on my radar. I don't, like I said, I don't, I haven't lost people close to me. So the, the death process has not been on my radar, but I really appreciate the the focus, the care uh, of the whole cycle that you're talking about. That just makes so much sense to me. Thank you. I'm glad. Um, it's something that is neat, uh, neat, and it's probably a silly word, but that is something that came to me um, unknowingly. I had come out to this rural parlor here, and I became a funeral homeowner in 2005, um, just an old, broken-down, repurposed goat barn in the country. And within a very short period of time of coming here, I received a phone call from a woman who wanted to bury her friend. And her friend Wanda had lived on communal property, out in the country. They wanted to lay her to rest on the private acreage and they asked me if I can help them do this. And this was something I had never heard of. I had never done before. I worked for corporate funeral homes and we did things um, sort of what people think of as a kind of a modern burial, modern funeral. So I called around, made the phone calls, find out that yes, indeed, this is legal and this is something we can do. I helped this family do this. It was Lovely that they were able to stay with Wanda from her last breath until her final goodbye. It brought them so much comfort, so much closure. They could do things their way. They could wrap her in the um, quilt that they wanted. They could prepare her own burial space. We could lower her into the earth. And it was so lovely that as I drove home that day from Wanda's service, I realized 
this is amazing. I thought my calling was to be in the funeral industry, but I realized, no, my calling is to be this person who ultimately ended up being nicknamed the Green Reaper. Hmm. I just am so impressed. And I, I also appreciate, Elizabeth, that you're a pioneer in your field and you serve on the advisory board for the Green Burial Council. And, and I know that's the Environmental Certification Organization setting the standard for green burial in North America. So first, uh, I, I, again, I want to applaud that you're a pioneer, you're a leader, you're pushing that you're pushing the field forward. Um, who are you working with and what are you really trying to get done there in that, through that organization? Well, ultimately... What my goal is, is to um, save families money and save the planet at the same time. Um, And that can be done. In Oregon, we love to recycle. We love to grow our own herbs and vegetables. I mean, your home state does great things. We wear, we bring our cloth sacks to the grocery store. And, you know, we care about getting our cans back and recycling them. So it makes a lot of sense if you're going to live this real environmental, impactful lifestyle that why can't you you know, keep it green until the end. And you really can keep that trend going forward that way. So helping families be able to do things how they want, it saves them so much money. You don't have to buy that expensive casket. You don't have to have all the goods and services from the funeral home. Also, it saves them the, uh, the you know, the standard of the environment. We are not putting chemicals and fertilizer and pesticides back into the earth. If you're choosing to be in a natural burial space or if you're even lucky enough to have your own home acreage, Oregon really states that most counties allow you to have a backyard burial if you have some certain um, logistics such as at least one acre and the landowner says this is fine. Um, you know, you're a little bit away from the roadway or a watershed, and most of this is very, very workable. It's very easy to get and very easy to do. So, ultimately, my concept is there's that huge toxic black mark in the ecosystem because of all of the embalming that we started out doing in the 1860s after the Civil War. And we've got a million acres of modern cemeteries with a laundry list of potential groundwater problems. And it's sort of reversing the damage we've already done here to Mother Earth. Wow, it strikes me that this ought to be in our will then. This is how we want to be buried. It's definitely a personal choice. I find families sometimes really want cremation or they would really love the idea of being viewed for a couple days with embalming and having the hearse and having all these things. And, you know, as a funeral provider, funeral director, mortician, undertaker, pretty much all the same guidance under that license, I have an ethic that I hold where I'm here to serve families and provide information. So whatever somebody wants to do to honor their loved one, absolutely fantastic. But when I see a family have interest in doing something a little bit more do-it-yourself, or they ask on ways they can save money, or they say, hey, I read this article, or oh, I saw your book, tell me more, I'm thrilled to have that open door to walk right through and share all the information, give them all of the choices, and it's amazing to see people get so excited when they can do things their way, when they realize, oh my gosh, I can make my own casket, I can provide my own transportation for my loved one, 
you know, really, I can come to the funeral home and I can help bathe my mom and dress her and say goodbye and have time. You betcha. All these things are your rights. And we don't realize that, that when somebody passes away, that body belongs to the family. That's your loved one. There is only 10 states of the United States that say you have to turn over your body to a funeral home. There's So that means there's 40 states that say you can act as your own funeral director and take care of your loved one as much as you want. So pretty neat. People don't realize all the rights we have. Can you work with people outside of, uh, of, of Oregon? Oh, oh sure. Okay, Absolutely. that's good to know. So listeners, we have listeners from all over the globe, Elizabeth. So if people could actually reach out to you just because you're in Oregon. That's so great. So Yeah, it's fun. Sure. I had a woman the other week who emailed me. She was starting to prepare a burial space in her yard in Alaska. And she thought, well, we're going to have the frozen tundra. We're going to have all the rain. What do I do? And I was able to instruct her and tell her the ways she should continue digging, how she should preserve this space in the yard and it was wonderful and she's in uh, you know Alaska and her loved one won't be handled by my funeral home because that person will die in that state but nonetheless she can reach out and get all the information she needs happy to help okay awesome okay great well let's talk a little bit about your book one I applaud that you've got some books out there I'm writing my my first so I really appreciate that yours is out there so the green burial uh, guidebook everything you need to everything you need to plan an affordable, environmentally friendly burial. So what are some of the key messages in there? I'm sure there's a a whole lot you could convey, but what is it you really are trying to convey in that book? I think the key message is that we can do so much better and why not celebrate a life well lived Mm. by helping to heal the planet and give back. There are so many ways we can leave a greener footprint. There are things people aren't aware of. Um, You can choose any biodegradable container. Any cemetery will allow you to bury your loved one in a cardboard box or the sheet off of your bed. So that's really not a lot of money spent and also not a lot of carbon footprint going into the world. Um, I think something else my book really tries to let people know is to be easy on yourself. We all have these best laid plans and when we know somebody's going to die or we're going to die ourselves sometimes there's conversations and there's dialogues and there's the idea of what should we do when this happens and I've had families who've laid everything out step by step of how the home funeral will look or if they're going to use the funeral home what they want that to look like um, what everything will look like and sometimes it doesn't work out because of weather Um, Sometimes at the end of someone's life, you have sat by that bed for so many days, you are emotionally and physically exhausted, and the idea of going to the fabric store and getting that material to make a shroud just seems so overwhelming. Um, There's times that families really have thought that they would get all of the stuff together, but the death happened too soon. And it's really about being gentle. It's about finding your community. It's about letting your wishes be known. And ultimately, I guess going back to our earlier conversation, being true to yourself, um, living your life to its fullest right now, opening those eyes in the morning and knowing that um, this is you and you're doing great. Oh, I love it, Elizabeth. I love it. So appreciate the message and what you're up to in life. Oh, I'm glad our, our paths crossed. I only wish we could be doing this in person. Wouldn't that be more fun? 
Yeah, then I could get all of your Thanksgiving recipes. <laughs> well, I come through Oregon almost every single year. So the next time I come through next next summer, I'm going to look you up and come find you. I'll buy you a boring Oregon bumper sticker. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> okay, let's grab our last break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're on the air with Elizabeth Fournier, the owner and operator of Cornerstone Funeral Services. She's the author of The Green Burial guidebook everything you need to plan an affordable environmentally friendly burial she joins us today from boring oregon after the break we're going to talk about the importance of giving thanks and living in gratitude stay with us we'll be right back Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now... Back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Elizabeth Fournier, the owner and operator of Cornerstone Funeral Services in Boring, Oregon, where she is affectionately known as the Green Reaper for her green burial advocacy. She serves on the advisory board for the Green Burial Council, the environmental certification organization setting the standard for green burial in North America. She is also the author of The Green Burial Guidebook, Everything You Need to Plan an Affordable, Environmentally Friendly Burial. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Okay, so for this last segment here, Elizabeth, I really wanted to focus on the importance of giving thanks and living in gratitude. And this show is is intentionally airing just before Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday. And I wanted to talk about gratitude in it because I know how important it can be to situate and ground people and give them a, a positive lens and possibility to, to view their lives from. Why do you, where, what's your perspective on gratitude and its importance in our lives? I think gratitude is really everything. Gratitude is hand in hand with love, with friendship, with respect, all the big ones, all the key players. It's right there with that. It's really that idea of digging deep, asking questions, which all lead to growth and expansion, and um, really trying to figure out what is the best road not traveled. I, I somehow want to remember, and that may be I'm manufacturing this, but I, I want to say that I read somewhere that living in gratitude or, or working from gratitude actually changes the chemicals in our brain. Do you know anything about that? You know, that sounds totally right on. I think that you, you <laughs> really just got go with there. it. Let's just go with it. Let's just say that. So <laughs> I, I got to I've got to do my research and see, but I, I I'm fairly certain I came across that. But uh, for me, that whole space it's part of also a practice that I do in my leadership program work in terms of helping people get grounded in in a, in a place that opens to possibility, inspiration, awe, all those things that you know give us motivation and energy, which is just so important. So even today when I was out, I was out grocery shopping for for things. Thanksgiving, Elizabeth, and there were so many people. I heard some people saying, "Thank you, thank you." you know, everybody's bumping into each other, and 
and and I don't know if it's because I'm just I've got a lens for that or if people are more gracious during the week of Thanksgiving I don't know do you have any idea on that let's hope that's how it is let's hope that once we get past that immediate level of oh I've got to trudge down the street and got to go and park my car and I've got to get in the store and I've got to do this hey the opposite tool is you've got money to buy stuff and you've got feet that can get you from point A to point B and you've got someone to have a mouth that you can put food into. It's all pretty darn good, right? It's, it's all good. I, I would tend to agree with that. So along those lines, I thought it would be it would be interesting and nice for each of us to be able to say a bit about what we're grateful for. So you go first. What are you grateful for, Elizabeth? Oh, okay. Um, I am grateful for a husband who makes my life easier rather than harder. Um, I am grateful for a child who understands the wonderment of nature. I'm grateful for my farm animals, my goats and sheeps who hang out and yell my name when I drive up the driveway (laughs) and I brush their hair and sing mariachi style to them and they are nice to me and forgive me and love me no matter how crappy my day was. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, there's a lot that I could list, but let me start by saying I'm I'm very grateful for for my health. I'm grateful that I'm I'm a, I'm a strong, in, toned, um, healthy, fit, 53 year old woman who has a lot of energy and and loves running around life. I, I that's one thing I'm very grateful for. I'm very grateful that I get to live my purpose. I'm doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing too, and it wasn't always so. And I'm very very grateful for that. I every day pinch myself. Um, I'm grateful that I get in my work to be able to literally watch people transform in front of my eyes as they come to understand themselves, come to a new higher level of understanding and perspective and the performance of themselves. Uh, it's just a, it's a precious thing to behold and to be part of and connected to. Um, and I'm really, really grateful for my my network of friends who are very, very important to me and support me and cheer me and um, just have reached out and said, hey, I had a great idea for you and your business today. Here it is. I'm grateful for all of that. For me, that's it's such a beautiful part of life to have all of that integrated support and connection for me. What a great list. Right? It's not so bad. Like you say, it's just not so bad. Yeah. Who cares you have to stand in line or your bunion aches? I mean, that's a darn good list. <laughs> I think so, too. Well, I one of the things I also wanted to get from you, we're getting close to running out of time on the show, but I, I, I would love it if you could share maybe a story or two about a person that you've encountered in your work that has navigated what you would consider to be a well-lived life. Mm, okay. Um, there was a man who always was at peace. He came in and he buried probably five or six family members since I've been out here in my repurposed goat barn in Boring, Oregon for the last 13 years. And I asked him how he was so at peace. And he shared with me that every night before he goes to bed, he sets aside about five minutes and he expresses his thanks to the universe and to the wall, to the dog. He just says it out loud there to the air of all the things he's really thankful for. I guess that goes back to our gratitude conversation. Um, He says he used to write things down and just 
really be thankful for the things in his life, but something about saying them, the physicality of hearing the words has really allowed him to realize that how supported he is, and it's really helped him train his brain to embrace gratitude, and he feels like that radiates through all aspects of his life, and I think this man is on to something, because if you've lost six people in your life in 13 years, and you still can walk around not being an angry person and not breaking down in tears constantly in line at the post office, that's pretty fantastic. That's Mm. a life well-lived. It doesn't matter what he does for an income. It doesn't matter what car he drives. This is a self-actualized person who's doing the work every night. He's putting in the time, just a mere five minutes to say, hey, universe, hey, you got my back. And even though... I miss my um, wife, I miss whomever, you know what, you're here for me and I still have those two eyes that are going to open tomorrow morning when I get up. Mm. Um, That's great. Another story I think that can go back to so many of the burials that I take care of. Um, There was a young woman who was fighting breast cancer and unfortunately, I always hate to say the battle with cancer because... Well, you know, you're, you can't say you're really losing the battle because the battle probably, you know, wasn't yours to win. It's just, it's what happened and it's kind of what took you out of this area to transform you into something else. But this young woman knew she was dying and she didn't know when, but she knew it'd be a slow, painful death. So she decided rather than be upset about that or feel robbed that she was never going to probably have a wonderful love of her life. She's probably not going to have children. She's never going to you know, travel to Paris and do all these um, bucket list things that people find important, jumping out of an airplane. She decided she is going to help somebody every day. And just from going through Twitter and writing a note to somebody who she could tell could use a little pick-me-up or um, learning names of kids who were staying at the Ronald McDonald house and sending them postcards. I mean, what a life well lived when this person was laid into the ground on her sister's property. Every single person had a story of how amazing Lucy was. I mean, how many people can have a funeral where every single person can share another story about what wonderful things you did just because your time on earth was limited and you thought you're going to use that time wisely? It must be so interesting, Elizabeth, to consider the range of experiences that you register when you help people put to rest their their loved one and I remember when my grandfather died and the number of stories that people had of how he had helped and people I didn't even know that he had helped and it was it was really really beautiful to get to reminisce and see how people wanted to pay pay their respects and just really enjoy the presence of who he was to them and that's why we get together and we gather and that's why we all hold hands and sing a song or we just sit in a room and eat donuts because it matters. We're all connected. If you look up in the sky, you see stars. Guess what? We all see those stars. We're all under one great moon, one great heaven of stars. We are all connected. And so to keep that going on the planet day in, day out, it's really lovely. You know, I have to tell you that I'm remembering 
that I did once years ago when I was living in Portland and I was like, I think 18 and I got a, I was looking for work and somebody, uh, what the, the, the company that was trying to place me said, we've got something for you and here's how you get there. And they told me all about all the, all this, but they didn't say anything about what the company was or what the job was. I know where you're going. And with this it like was that. the, it was a funeral home. <laughs> and I go to meet this guy Work and he was, he was your polar opposite Elizabeth. He was just exactly <laughs> what you would, you think of for a mortician. He had the really, you know, fish handshake and, you know, no life behind him. And, um, and I said, I, this is just not going to be for me. And I, but thanks very much and good luck filling this. And I got the heck out of there. So <laughs> you, you are just so beautifully, a beautiful human being. And it's, it's yeah. been so wonderful to be able to share you with my listeners and this being your calling and, and just how you're living your life. And I just imagine that you're walking through and you've got like pixie dust that you're spreading through the universe. As oh my gosh. I love it. I'm going to tweet that. I yeah, love that. Thank you for that. That's what you, that's how you land for me. So, um, I want to give you the ability to close the show as, as you like your last, your last thoughts here, maybe, you know, in the last, say a one minute or so, mm-hmm. what would you like to leave our listeners with today? Well, if you do have somebody in your life who's passing away and you're going through the stress of that, please remember to drink water. I think that's <laughs> so easy, but we forget to do that. We forget that we're still here and we still need to move our body and drink water. I cannot stress enough about being gentle on yourself. And that just goes for daily things like um, having to take a test or having to sit in traffic or going through the loss of a loved one. Just be gentle on yourself. We are not kind enough to each other and we certainly are not kind enough to ourselves. What a great way to finish. And right before Thanksgiving, Elizabeth Fournier, thank you so much for joining me on Working on Purpose. You have been just a delight. Thank you. You as well. And may all of your recipes be sumptuous, spatially, and palatially. (laughs) Let's hope so. And if you want to learn more about Elizabeth Fournier, Green Burial, or the work she and her team are doing at Cornerstone Funeral, visit their website. It's cornerstonefuneral.com. Join us next week when we talk with Angela Langlotz, a trademark attorney, about how to monetize our great ideas. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.